On this episode, Andy is joined by Juicy Jimmy. Welcome to the Road Home from Wrestling interview. I feel safest of all I can lock all my doors And it's the only way live In cars All right, well, welcome back to the Road Home from Wrestling interview. We're all stuck inside, so we're going to be talking to as many people as we can. My name's Andy. I'm coming to you live to tape from the Road Home from Wrestling world headquarters of the world. And today, my guest is Juicy Jimmy. What's up, Jimmy? What's up, buddy? How are you doing? I'm good. Tell the folks out there, how are you surviving? You live in the kind of central northern Kentucky type area. How are things down there so far, uh, you know, dealing with this whole virus thing and all that? Um, you know, like minus like stores being closed and like us not being able to do public gatherings and stuff like that. Really, like... <sighs> stuff hasn't changed a whole heck of a lot for worse uh except you know people a little bit more cautious about going out and like like the stores and like uh uh like course restaurants you got to do to go to go orders and just people people are scared man you know like and it, it it's uh it it's a really weird time in america i'll say that you know yeah, and it sounds to me like you're okay, and that's, you know, what's yeah, important, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. hopefully you and yours are okay and everything, and that's kind of, you know, and everyone out there, I hope that they, you know, are the same in the same situation, and everyone's being careful and all that stuff, but one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is because you have kind of impressed me of late, you know, and um, and we've known each other for a couple of years now at this point, just seeing yeah. each other at shows and saying hi and stuff like that. Um, and you've always been someone I kind of wanted to have on because of your deep Kentucky roots, which we'll get into that a little bit. And I would assume the three million hilarious stories you have in that brain of yours. So, um, <laughs> you know, but but one of the things I wanted to mention right off the bat is the first time I ever saw you wrestle uh, was actually okay. at a pro, it was a pro wrestling freedom show. It was at your favorite place, the arena. And uh, oh, it was. <laughs> it was versus Levi Everett. Black Beauty. Black Beauty. <laughs> Black Beauty, that's right. So it, it was uh, versus, I, versus I, Levi Everett. Actually, that was a PPW show. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. And here, here's the thing about that. That night, I was supposed to have wrestled Freight Train. And for whatever reason, he... He didn't come or whatever, okay? And, uh, like, honestly, Levi, it was cool. Like, that was – Levi was, was pretty young. Uh, he, he's still pretty young. But, like, uh, I, I, I kid around with him, like, uh, whenever I see him in the locker rooms, I'm like, kid, you worked with me, then you blew up. I, I said, you, you owe me a big thank you. And I just tell him that, that all the time. And he's like, well, you hit me right in the face with a lariat. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, but man, look what happened after the match. And and I just love to pile, I love to pile it on every time I see that kid. He, I I really enjoy that kid. He he's awesome. 
Now, in that match, you were also dressed like a bottle of Crown Royal or like the bag of uh, the comes yeah. in, the Crown Royal comes in. What's that all about? And we need to talk about what makes Jimmy juicy. You know, I mean, this is kind of stuff I want to talk about. Today. Well, uh, well, that gear. Uh, we there was a point in my life where I would hang out. With, and, I, and I still do. Uh, I call her my sister, Christina Harvey. Her, uh, uh, her, uh, her I, I won't say uh, husband, Joe, at the time. Uh, he has since passed away. And sorry, I don't have a positive, uh, positive uh, uh, ending to this now because he just passed away last week. Me and him would sit, sit down in their basement and we dubbed it the Crown Lounge. And every one of those bags that were used to make that gear, me and him would put away on the weekends there. And <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I just had this great, crazy idea. I said, that's a shoot then, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, and it was a sad deal. He passed away last week just suddenly, suddenly, and and I I have since retired that year, and you guys never see me in that gear again, unless it's promo pictures or videos or what have you. I just, I, I can't even begin to wear it anymore. Just to be real. Uh, well, a, 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 it doesn't fit anymore, but you know, like B, I, I would not wear it anymore. Just to be real with you. You mean, yeah. Well, I mean, that's nice out of respect. And obviously, you know, our thoughts go out to the family of uh, Joe and, and you and everything. And, uh, we're sorry to hear that. Um, yeah. but, uh, but I was just going to say that initial match, I thought it was a really good match. And I'm sorry, it's hard for me to distinguish between the PWF and the PPW oh, shows at that oh, time. Dude, trust me, <laughs> it, it, it was hard for me running PWF. And, and like, you you aren't the first person that it got us confused or this, that, and the other. Like, trust me, it happened all the time. Like, like, and especially during that time period. Like, yeah, I can totally, I can totally understand. Well, uh, you know, you you kind of mentioned it before, but I want to get into this, so we might as well get into it now. Is the juicy Jimmy that I saw that day or that night is a different juicy Jimmy than I saw at Paradigm just a couple weeks ago, you know, versus Brett Ison and versus Brett Ison's little BB gun guy and all that stuff. What, Uh um, what's changed in your life and tell me why is this all changed for you? Man, I'll tell you, um, when PWF ended, like, I sat here and I didn't know what I was going to do. Like as far as wrestling goes, uh, I, I didn't know if I was going to jump in to promote another show or if I just wanted to wrestle. And quite honestly, that like between the headaches of running wrestling and just, you know, poor choices in my life, like, like I had ballooned up to like 500 pounds and I was miserable, man, miserable. Like, and there, there is a point I can pinpoint to this. There, there was a match I had at PWF against Tyler Matrix, who I think is an extremely talented uh, uh, pro wrestler. Uh, and man, 
you know, basically it was 15 minutes of me laying on the mat. Like I became every old timer that I hated coming up that were just lazy, couldn't do nothing. I don't know why they're still in it. And trust me, I heard all that. Okay. From, from people that come to the shows and that had a real big effect on me, like mentally. Uh, I, I didn't know it at the time, but like, man, I, I knew I had to make a change and I kind of stepped away from wrestling for about six months ish and then you know i kind of just started dipping my toe back in once i started going back to the gym and i just said you know i'm gonna get in better shape like by no means am i in great great shape now i'm working on it i wish they reopened the gyms again but you know that's another another topic from that another day but you know uh, i started eating better and you know i i really thought that uh, i said to myself 2000 into 2019 2020 like i'm uh, i'm 36 if i'm going to do anything it's got to be now because the window uh you know it, it, it is slowly closing on me you know so, but yeah, I, I just got bound and determined to, to, to get in a lot better shape. And honestly, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's what I'm trying to do. You know, I'm trying to make really a, a good last go of this. Yeah, yeah. I, and it's been impressive. You know, like I said, I, I've, you know, I've said on this podcast before when we've run into you recently, you know, it's been impressive to see that you've lost, you know, hundreds of pounds possibly. Um, I know you don't keep track, which is pretty cool. Actually, no, I like no. that, you know. So, um, but, you know, it, it's obvious you've lost, you know, maybe 150, maybe 200 pounds. I'm not sure. It's pretty awesome. And, uh, you know, I want to get into that a little bit, but the effort that goes into pro wrestling, um, you know, what you just said there rings very true with me because, you know, I've seen many guys that maybe shouldn't be in the ring or whatever the case may be. Not that it's up to me to say, but, you know, I mean, just think about Andre in his latest years, you know, and uh, he couldn't even stand without holding onto the ropes. And it's and it kills right. his his legacy as a wrestler. I mean, it, it's it really sucks to see those matches and. And it also sends the wrong message to the younger wrestlers that, hey, you don't even have to try. You know what I mean? And and so I right. what, tell me about effort in pro wrestling and how much that means to you. And maybe, you know, give me an example of somebody you see nowadays that just gives 100 um, percent. Man, I, I tell you, there there are a lot of guys that go out there now and will just lay it all on the line. At every show, and I know, I know this is going to sound cliche, but it doesn't matter if there's five people there or five hundred people there. Don't get me wrong, I'm 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 going out there and giving effort now. But if I'm in a crowd of say five people, there are certain things I will do. If there's a big crowd there or a small crowd, don't get me wrong, I'm still giving good effort now like like but 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 some of the guys there will go and just die in front of 12 people i'm i'm not at that age anymore to do that to be real with you uh but you know and, and as far as pinpointing someone there's just so many dudes out there that go hard every night like and just they're they, 
like I Drew, I, I don't know how long you've been going independent shows, but right now there is more talent across the board than that I have seen since the late nineties, early two thousands, to be honest with you. You know, like uh and it's just there's there's a ton of guys out there right now that I think will end up doing big, big things given the right opportunities. It, it's really crazy, and the amount of talent that's concentrated in our, you know, perspective areas as far as that goes, that's a big part of it, too, is that, like, if you live in, you know, Wisconsin or something like that, you might have a couple guys that you see that you go, oh, okay, these guys are stars, you know, but when you live in our area and, you know, like the, the half the card of every show is guys that could just step right into WWE right now. Um, that's, that's pretty awesome. And we're, we're really lucky to be a part of that. Now, something you mentioned a second ago, uh, about, you know, effort in the crowd dictating your effort. Okay. I, I get that 100%. What a couple points I want to make about that. One thing that's pretty cool about yeah. nowadays is that a lot of these shows are showing up on IWTV. So, even if you're wrestling right. in front of 20 people, you're not. You're wrestling in front of right. a thousand, which is awesome. And that gives right. has to give you that kind of motivation as if it you're does. in front of a lot of people, right? It it does. And you know, I've I've done a lot of those tapings and or live events they have. And it definitely provides a a different platform now for the guys like like dude I come from an era of shows were lucky to be to to be recorded a, a lot of times to be real and who knows like if if it weren't for Bobby Blade I don't know what would have happened to some of this footage to be real with you uh uh but you know, uh, it's really cool, and I definitely think it gives the guys a little something extra to work hard for. Now, if you are one of those guys out there that is bouncing your head off the concrete at a show with 10 people that's not taped for anything, um, I would, uh, I would, you know, ask you to look up a, a, a former Cincinnati Red. And find out what happened to this guy. His name is Ryan Friel. And I don't want to tell his story on here because it's very depressing and awful. But okay. he, he was this guy that played for the Reds. And people called him, you know, Charlie Hustle Jr. And all this stuff because he played right. 110% always. Um, right. He had, he had a real rough go of it. And he's not around anymore. And I would uh, highly recommend folks look into his story just as kind of motivation for maybe I don't want to do the double moonsault, uh, you know, off of the barricade into the chairs, yeah. um, you know, when there's only two <laughs> people watching. So just my opinion, I'm never right. going to hate on right. somebody for that kind of thing. No, now you no. Now, you mentioned a guy, and, and I have some questions here listed. I don't usually do a ton of notes, but one of my questions is Bobby Blade, question mark. And that's the question. Tell me about Bobby Blade. Oh, Lordy. Uh, he, uh, if, if this tells you how long I have known him, he was one of the two wrestlers at my high school graduation in 2003 uh and i'll never forget it and this will this this will tell you what kind of a redneck community I, i lived in okay uh our graduation was on at our football field and it was kind of like, you know, like people here don't necessarily dress up well a lot of times. <laughs> and I, 
Well, I'll never forget. He he pointed out to me that there was someone at this graduation camp, or not camp, but who had on a handsome Jimmy Valiant. Nope. Even back then. Uh, and and I'll, I'll never forget Blake was there. And he's like, man, that guy's, he's like, he's like, look over there. He, and, and, I, and I'll be damned, this dude was in a handsome Jimmy Valiant shirt at this high school graduation. And I will never forget that. But, <laughs> but, but, uh, I, I, uh, I met Blade through, uh, uh, well, uh, I, I'd have to mention Jeff Vickers, Sheik Aftershock, country, country cousin Jeffro, whatever you want to call him. He was, uh, a regular in the Kentucky independence for a lot of years. And I met him through him and we hit it, we hit it off at an early age. Me and him have been friends ever since, man. Uh, you know, through a lot of good times and a lot of bad, you know. So, uh, but yeah, like he, he, he's a very complex individual. He'd be somebody great to have on, on your show. Here. I've asked him to come on. He said no. So, you know, oh. I, don't get it. I asked him a long time ago. He said no. So whatever. I, I don't, I don't chase people around. You know I mean? If you say no, you yeah. say no. I'm not going to hate yeah. on you, but, um, now, were you around for the Simba character? And if you were, how over would Simba be now okay. with all this uh, Tiger King shit going on, you know? Oh, man, it'd be over huge with the Tiger King stuff uh, uh, going on tell right folks, now. But, tell folks what Simba is, too, by the way. Well, here's the thing. He did that in the mid-'90s, and I... And I it was for, for, from his description to me. I never saw it live. Uh, like during that time period, I just wasn't going to shows. I would have been, I would have been a teenager at, or, or tween, I guess is the the, the uh, uh, term for it. Now I've, I've been going to independent wrestling shows since the early nineties, uh, and like it, he describes it to me. The Lion King movie was hot at the time, okay? And the guy, the guy who was running the shows in Georgetown at the time, he he tells a great story. He's like, he's like, hey, Bobby, he says that Lion King's over. He says, you know what we need? We need Simba. And Blade tells me that he just kind of looks at him and he's like, you want me to be a cat? And he. <laughs> And he he had this orange face paint on and these tiger striped uh, uh, long tights and man like he like I of course I've grilled him on this pad when he's told me this I'm like was there like any explanation from you going to that to Bobby Blake or from Bobby Blake to Simba and he says no nah, I just came out because back then that's kind of how they did things for the most part okay uh, and apparently he I, I guess he was Simba for six or eight months and just you know it, it, it's kind of been the rib and joke with all the boys here for a lot of years man you know, uh, uh, but yeah, he, he dude, yeah, he, 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 if, if 
if he were to come out with that today based on the Tiger King thing, yeah. man, that, that thing would be super over. It and, would. It would be over as like a self-aware kind of gimmick, too. Not like, you know, yeah. like he really believes that he's a cat or whatever. You know, it would be a lot more fun if he were, you know, had a manager that was Joe Exotic and he came out. I don't know. I think that's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys, you know, basically uh, Bobby Blade dressed up. I mean, and it's a pretty good outfit. I mean, he could probably be in the Lion King musical if he wanted to in this outfit, um, you know, and he's dressed up like Simba and he came out and wrestled as Simba. And it's fucking ridiculous. And and it's one of the things that makes me love wrestling, not wrestling, wrestling. Yeah. You know, that is yeah. so fucking wrestling. Tell the folks, Jimmy, what's the difference between wrestling and wrestling? Uh, wrestling to me, like, here's the thing, like, if, like, and, like, I try to explain this to people from the Northeast, and they just don't really kind of understand it, but, like, they, wrestling here for years and years, and really up until recently, has always been wrestling, okay, and, like, ridiculous gimmicks like like everybody kids around about the 50 50s at the show it's every kind of like possible money grab at shows you can have uh it's it's just you know fans that you know at one time thought thought what we did was legitimate and don't get me wrong they're still out there they're not a uh, they're not a big portion of the audience anymore i don't think but there are still people out there that want to believe i've seen people hit the ring i've seen i've seen people willingly go to jail because you know this guy did something or said something to them during a show and it's just man it's down and dirty pro wrestling and quite honestly i i love it man like i do like uh any anytime i go to tallahoma tennessee and work for uconn jack then there at southern wrestling federation it's still like that to, to a big degree you know i know i'm gonna get called everything in the book uh, you know, I've seen guns drawn down there. I've seen knives, and it's just, you know, to me, to me, that's wrestling, man. You know, like it's awesome, man. I I think it's so much fun. And like when we first started coming down to Kentucky to seeing shows at ATW <laughs> and stuff, we were like, "What the fuck is going on here?" You know, because it's like, you know. <laughs> It's actually calmed down quite a bit from what it was. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Now we've seen we've seen guys try to fight the wrestlers at you know in, in Ohio too. Uh-huh. I mean, it, it still happens. But it's like what what blows my mind about wrestling is that you mentioned that the fans like buy into it even more. Then why are the gimmicks so stupid? And that's what the, that's the thing that doesn't really jive. But it's just it. Th- there's only one explanation. It's like. Well, that's just wrestling because, you know, you hear about the Memphis stuff where the Ninja Turtles wrestled a Christmas tree and all this kind of stuff. And, and those same yeah. people would be like, hey, there's no room for funny in wrestling and, and we can't do goofy shit. And, and you know, they had a, a Christmas tree wrestling. You know what I mean? So it's like, what? how yeah. do you explain that kind of, um, you know, dissonance? You that- can't. <laughs> you, 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 you can't. Uh, like, just it, it, Memphis uh, really 
in, in all honesty, still had a big influence here, I would say, up through probably the late 2009, 10-ish, okay? Uh, like, and that just never died. Like it, like it, it was either, you know, like Memphis based shows or like, you know, just, just like the, the, the Poffos were huge here too. And like people around here, man, they still remember that stuff. And honestly, like, uh, I, you know, I, I used to try to push the, against the grain of it. And like, I think that's what a lot of the older fan bases really enjoys here. You know, yeah, I I get it. You know, I mean, I've seen it with my own two eyes and I love it. And I think I think that when you mix the two things, when you mix kind of the northern style and the southern style, you get Mm -hmm. like you get kind of what's on TV now. You know, you're as far as like AEW and all that, um, you know, especially the goofier stuff that you see on it. Like like, you know, to me, uh, a character like Orange Cassidy is a mix between. Memphis, just stupid as fuck gimmick wrestling and, you know, and wrestling and also the kind of northern mm-hmm. style. And, you know, and that's an interesting thing because there's a lot of younger fans who think that they may see the Ninja Turtles wrestling, you know, uh, a uh, monster and think that's fucking stupid. But when Orange Cassidy puts his hands in his pockets, they think it's the greatest thing in yeah. the world. And it's the same fucking thing, you know, right? Let me tell you what. The Ninja Turtle, like, is as odd as is as this sounds. Okay, Chris Champion did that at one point, and uh, I knew Chris toward the end of his life, and like he would tell me about all the money he would make on Polaroids in the ring. Like, man, let me tell you what: when when the Ninja Turtles were over, I could only imagine how much money he was making at intermission off kids who thought this was a legitimate deal. Like, like I'll, I'll, I'll tell you something, Drew. One of my earliest memories going to independent show, I'll never forget. I saw a flyer here in my hometown. It was for a show in Georgetown. And I'm going to say this was probably 90. 192-ish, okay? And I'll never forget the poster. In big, bold letters, I saw Junkyard Dog, okay, versus British Bulldog. And man, as a kid, I'm like, man, like, you know, like, man, this is this is a huge deal. Like, and I, I begged my uncle to take me, and, and he, he, he took me over there. It was on Sunday nights, okay? And I will never forget, I got there, and I'm like, man, like, you know, these guys kind of look like them, <laughs> but they kind of, you know, just a little something odd. Well, I got a flyer from that show because I got it signed by everybody who was on the show that night. What I didn't realize was next to these big, bold letters and in, in, in this main event they were advertising in very small, tiny, uh, like, like uh, just, just minuscule, they had Junior next to it, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and dude, that used to go on here so much. Like, like between that and all the like, I have seen so many doinks wrestle here in the state yeah. of Kentucky. 
You know, like how many how many Patriots have you seen? You know, I it, it it's ironic, yeah. They're like there there's one guy who did the Patriot gimmick who was around when 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 I was first breaking in and like man you talk about a character if you if you could ever uh get get uh, get Larry Corey on your show he is a salty old veteran but man he's entertaining he is entertaining as anything like like just like but he he did it for a long time here uh and it was just just kind of the norm to be honest with you you mean like <laughs> Uh, I mean, like they've, been, he, they've, been, they've been doing that shit in Mexico for years, the junior thing and all that. And uh, here, 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 here's a great Patriot story for you, Larry Corey, whatever you call him. I, 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 I told you he was just a salty old veteran, and like I hated him when I first started. Okay, because I was like, man, this guy's lazy. He don't do nothing. Blah blah blah. blah all right, and we were booked on a show in Lexington for the Steels, KCW. Uh, they were around for a few years. And he literally walked in the locker room and he, he walked into this locker room and saw that there were like, I don't know, 40 or 50 dudes on this show. And I'll, I'll never forget, he, he had his bag in one hand and he had like a, a thing you put a suit jacket in on his other. And he looks in the locker room and he says, he says, ah, he says, Ain't no money to be made here tonight with all these guys booked. And dude turned turns right around and walks out and gets in his car and leaves. And I I thought like I thought I'm like man this dude will never get booked here again. Dude I'll be back I'll be damned he was back the next month. <laughs> That's like the uh, the Scott Hall story I always hear is like when he showed up to like WCW, he'd walk up to people in the locker room and say like, "Hey kid, what's your finish?" You know, and the kid would say, and he's like, "Can't wait to kick out of it and just walk away from." It. <laughs> it's pretty great. Yeah, but like, and, and like the thing about it is, like guys like that, I, I in in a weird sort of sort of way, I did learn a lot from those guys. Sure. You know, granted, granted, sometimes it wasn't, you know, what what not to do, but you know, like like I I, I have some very fond memories of like guys like that, even though at the time I may have not uh, really appreciated them as much as I maybe I should have. <laughs> You know, well, okay. So tell me a little bit about Mark Morris. You came up with him a little bit, and uh, we don't get to hear Mark Morris stories on this show very often. Other than you know, we like we like him a lot. He's awesome. Uh, we love his yeah. son. You know, and uh, he's a hell of a guy. So I mean, if you can tell me an embarrassing story, that would be preferable. I don't know if I have, say, an embarrassing story. He was running MWA toward, uh, I guess, the last, I'm going to say the last five years of their existence. He was kind of at the helm, him and Chris Hayes. Uh, Chris is actually the dude who trained me uh, to, to wrestle and uh, I was off again, on again with MWA. Like, there's a, like, that, that's a uh, big thing in my career. Like, I generally don't stay somewhere that long, especially back then, because I wasn't, you know, I would quit, get fired, like, just the whole nine. And 
me and Mark at the time, like, like we, we, we've come together since, since all that ended, but we had our issues. Like, but the thing is, I always respected that market. He knew how I felt about things and I knew how he felt about things, but we, here, here's a good Mark Moore story for you. We were wrestling over in Mount Sterling, Kentucky. Uh, and we were doing this thing. Uh, he had, he was the big heel manager there at the time. And he had renamed the, the MWA, like, like the, the, the Morris wrestling association or I, 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 I or no, no, excuse me. I, I, I tell you wrong. I, I believe it stood for men with attitudes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, so somehow he was the commissioner at the time. Don't, don't ask me to explain that because I don't even remember. And this building was just so hot in the summertime. And I'll never forget. There was a picture at uh, taken by the guy who was doing photos there at the time and Mark was in a pair of blue jeans and had his shirt off and I called him like I do, do you remember John Zandig at all used to work for CTW sure I mean how can we always forget he's the guy who screamed <laughs> Jesus you know so sure and- I, 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 I called Mark. I, I was like, man, you look like John Zandy. <laughs> <And that pump. laughs> and, and of course, Mark didn't have any idea who that was. But like, no, like Mark, Mark Mark's a really good dude, man. Like me, me. You know, I, I I like to give him shit, and he likes to give me shit, and we 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 dubbed our little clique rebooking the territory here, and it's like it's just it's just we we like to rib one another and bury one another, and it's you know it's it, it it's really fun to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I I think I became a honorary member of that uh, of yeah. that group, uh, you know, at one point a couple years ago, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, we love Mark, and we love what's that? Go ahead. Just, just make sure you you pay your 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 membership dues to me directly. Okay. okay. Oh, sure. Yeah. By the way, um, hanging out with a bunch of workers from old school workers from Kentucky, I'm not believing a goddamn thing any of you say ever at any point. So. Membership dues. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, okay. So another thing that I've kind of been, um, you know, talked about a little bit on the show when we've been able to see you is that, you know, you, you know, there's, there's a lot of things you can do in the ring. There's a lot of things you can't do in the ring. But one of the things that's great about you is that you're able to work to your uh, strengths and kind of see your opponent's strengths and help those out as well. One of your strengths is a great working punch. Tell me, how do you, how do you develop a great working punch and what is a great working punch? Uh, it's developed like, man, I tell you what, there have been times when I was trying to figure it out. Like, like when I first broke in, like I was told it'll take you five years to really develop a punch. Well, I hate to tell you, but for me, it took like 10. Okay. A lot of times I would just like, I would just haul off and knock somebody right in the jaw. Like, and 
eventually you 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 just like you have to a study the great punchers jerry lawler had a great punch uh like he 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 immediately comes to mind uh terry funk had a great punch and there's generally one thing in common with all these punches now granted it's not every one they throw but every few they're gonna be pretty snug okay and like at times, like like I I just I just learned how to study people's faces and like where to hit them at and you know like honestly I I feel like that's one of my strong points I'm not good with forearms at all like because I generally take somebody's head off with a forearm versus a punch is a little bit easier of a ride for you um, but it's just I I prefer throwing work or punches more so than I do like forearms and stuff like that. That is the norm now, to be honest with you, you know? Yeah. The forearms are a little out of control nowadays. Um, one of the things that makes me laugh so hard is when I like, I love seeing like a, a fairly green wrestler who's like a skinny flippy dude throw a forearm. Cause it a hundred percent time looks like fucking shit, you know? And, um, but at the same time, Guys like that, you know, like Myron Reed, when he first showed up on the scene, he was throwing these pussy ass forearms, you know, and now when you see him throw a forearm, he fucking nails dudes and it's awesome, you know, Uh and it's like he had to develop that. Um, So it's really fun to see, you know, guys catch that over time. But it it, it almost would look better for some of these guys if they would just throw a punch, in my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. And I tell a lot of the the new kids that and they look at me like I have flaming turds coming out of my mouth and like like uh Carrie Awful who's one of my really good close friends in this I'll, I'll never forget he used to do those forms and I I was on him on him I'm like dude you gotta learn how to punch you gotta learn how to punch and he 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 slowly got it like just like it to me, it was something that the veterans drilled to us. Like Kentucky and Tennessee, and generally this whole area, has always been a punch kick territory. Okay, and what I mean by that is, if you want to watch a lot of the matches, not so much now, but like the basis of them were punches and kicks. I mean, it's just it's what the area knows, and like, uh, you know, it was something that was drilled into me. You got to learn this. You got to learn this. You got to learn this. Got to learn this. And you either will eventually get it, or you won't. And you'll be a dude who's stuck doing forearms. And generally, the guys who can punch really well. Uh, they generally work their way up the card a lot quicker than somebody who doesn't just generally speaking in, 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 in my opinion, you mean, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of my take on, on, on that whole thing. Well, you know, this, what you're talking about, this kind of brawling style that you see a lot down that way. Um, one of the things that is a benefit of that style, though, is that it makes a high spot a high spot. So, you know, when you're working up to a superplex, if you've been kicking and punching each other this whole time, then a superplex is something completely different. And it's a legitimate high spot as opposed to just a setup for your next six suplexes you're going to do or whatever. Right. During training, Chris Hayes would often tell us this story. And he, he, he would, he would let us try to do all these stupid high spots and this, that, and the other. And he, he, and, and 
I'm assuming this was late 80s, early 90s somewhere. He was talking about Georgetown, and he says, and and for, forgive me, I, I forget who was involved in the match. He said, he said, he said, he says, guys, he said, I can remember a guy taking a suplex, okay, and them sell, selling it well enough that they backed, backed an ambulance in there and, like, <laughs> people bought into it, like, legitimately. You mean? That's awesome. Yeah. But, yeah, no, man, like, I, I do I do think it, it, it really it really makes the high spots stand out a lot more if you have a – like a punch kick brawl style and those moves don't get lost as much as they do. It's like uh, uh, other areas of the country have done correctly. I mean, yeah, well, when I'm a musician and, you know, I grew up in music and stuff and, and I played in the marching band and I played snare drum. And if you've ever watched a marching snare drum, most of the, the like, you know, notes that they play are like maybe an inch off of the head. And then when they accent, they bring the stick up higher. And the motion of doing that and the actual ability to hit the hit the head harder makes that accent stick out. And the quieter you can play those other notes, the lower notes under underneath, the, the more those accents are going to stick out. And that's kind of the dynamics right. that you're dealing with in a pro wrestling match. And, you know, and there's a lot of different thoughts about on that. And I know that a lot of people nowadays really like the, the high paced stuff that there is no selling or, or, you know, or psychology and it's just move after move. And I I like that too, to some extent. However, when a a match like that works a little psychology in, it sticks out a lot, you know, and when um, some of these brawls and stuff like that, you're talking about that are all psychology. Like I love that stuff so much, man. I, I, it's so great when I see it, it gives me such a great feeling to know that, you know, that superplex or something meant something. And that guy that fell off that top rope and hit the mat with his back for the 3000th time actually did that for a reason, you know, and that's kind of the most important thing, you know, as far as that goes. Um, so my next question might take a while to answer, and you can answer this however you want. Okay. Um, obviously, you know, I'm not holding you to anything. But uh, my question for you is, why does booking suck? That's my question, I guess. So, um, you're basically a paid – like, you're – like, generally, when you're booking, you have some financial – tied of the show somehow some way either it affects your income or you're directly paying some of these people and like man like it is the biggest like babysitting job you could have like like guys day of the show oh i can't make it then you have to scramble to try to find this it doesn't matter if you had this guy booked in a feature position or not you got to replace him because the show goes on no matter who you are the show will move on without you um like and it's just i've booked shows i'm gonna say for eight, nine years at this point, uh, although I don't do it anymore, um, or for, for, for now, I should say. Uh, it's just everything, any problem that can usually go on does. Like, and you're forced to make, you know, uh, uh, changes on the fly a lot of times. And, like, to me, if you're booked, you're booked. Be there, man. Like, like, I, I, like, 
I would understand now if like 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 so like the shows had to cancel or this that and the other. Don't get me wrong, that's not what I'm saying. But like, you know, if if, if guys don't have transportation, like that's a common theme in wrestling. Like guys have to get rides, and sometimes you have to be like the connect point between talent. Of like, oh well, if you don't have a ride, uh, hit up so and so. He he's coming right through your area. You can ride with him, and then they take it the rest of the way. But like it. It's a very rewarding, but yet challenging uh, at times, if, if, if that makes any sense to you. I mean, yeah, it's like wrangling cats, right? I mean, you know, they nobody wants yeah. to do what they want to do. I mean, you know, it's five minutes before the doors are supposed to open. Your main event hasn't shown up and one of the guys won't get the fuck out of the ring so you can open the doors. Oh, by the way, three chairs weren't set up for these VIPs you got going on and the barricade uh-huh. on the left has fallen down. And that's just something that i mean that's just from a show i've been at you know what i mean (laughs) like you know this is kind of the shit that you're dealing with always and um you know i can understand why it's really tough when and you don't have to name any names or anything but i you know i have my rules that i set in place for this podcast you know for example one of my rules which i never talk about is if you cancel on me all right um last second all right and there's not a good reason you're just kind of or you just don't respond which happens all the time to me um i'm not having you back on and that's just the way it is you know and that's and i'm not being a shithead i'm not trying to be an asshole but if you waste my time i'm not gonna waste any more time with you and i'm not gonna chase you down what are some of your rules that you had when you were a booker that if you cross this line you're done um you know my big thing was if I had you booked for dates and you canceled on me, you you went to the back of the line. Like, and don't get me wrong, there there's there's ex- exceptions in that. Like, like uh, I was listening to Jeff Jarrett on a pod, on Sean Mooney's podcast a few weeks ago, and and I think this even rings true for independent promoters as well. Okay, he would talk about his dad's in in Memphis talking about oh Austin Idol will never work here again blah blah blah. Well, the houses got down, and guess what? Six months later, Austin Idol was back, and and I still think that rings true depending on who you are independent wise as well. Um, like if if you're over like you can kind of skate by that although i don't recommend it you can be hard to do business with uh like uh like i i dealt with Isaiah for a lot of years and you know i'm not out here to bury anybody or anything but he was extremely hard to deal with uh, i've known him for several years or a lot of years i guess i should say and like it, it was always on again off again but generally like let's say somebody two years in the business uh, just straight no shows me well they're probably not getting booked by me again. Now, if somebody calls with, you know, and they've got some elaborate excuse or what have you, you know, okay, maybe. Uh, or if, like, if something used to infuriate me during the arena days, if somebody would cancel on me to go work for the competition, yeah, yeah, you're pretty well done for a while. You know, like, just, that's just how it is. Um, you know, uh, like I, I, like I 
hate it when guys wouldn't listen to me on times. Uh, like if, if I say six, eight minutes and you go out there and do 12 or 15, first time you're probably going to get a warning if you keep doing that. And we're, we're going to have to have a little chat and you might not be working for me that much longer, you know? Uh, but it's just, I, it, I think everybody who runs shows has their own set of like different rules. Like one of my rules was like, guys, like if I have you doing something in a story, I don't want to see, you know, you on Facebook or Twitter, like being buddies and pals. Sorry. I just don't want to see that. Like, uh, I don't think our fan, I think that's, uh, that, that's, that openly slaps the fan base right in the face. You mean, uh, you know, I just do. And like, I don't want to see you all hanging out at Buffalo wild wings and watching a game as as a pitcher, but yet I'm trying to sell this as, you know, something else, you know? So like, it's just, that that's one thing that always kind of infuriated me to be honest with you. You mean, yeah, it's, it's like, they're not taking it seriously, you know? And, and yeah. that's one thing is that if the wrestlers aren't taking it seriously, and I, I know there's exceptions to that and there's fun stuff you yeah. can do in wrestling, but if you're not serious about what you're about, then why would the fans give a shit, you know? And when you insult their intelligence like that, it's kind of frustrating for the fans. Now, as a fan, I remember when I first started going to shows and I would go to certain promotions re- regularly and guys would come and go. And, you know, of course, that's just the way wrestling is. And I really didn't know at the time, you know, uh, all the things that I know now. And so I'd always wonder myself, you know, why didn't that guy, why isn't that guy back? What happened to this guy? He was here every week and now he isn't anymore. And if you're Uh, a fan out there, if you're a fan out there listening to this, the answer to that question could be a million different things, you know? And so it could be, it could be, you know, the promoter hates the guy. It could be he slept with somebody's wife. It could be, you know, uh, it, could, yeah. it could be he botched a bunch of moves. It could be he's uh, such a good wrestler that he doesn't have time for that shitty promotion anymore. You know, it, it's there's a million different reasons. Right. Um, you know, and it's fascinating to kind of hear the backstage stuff a little bit, because then you realize, man, you know, just when you think, you know, a little bit about wrestling, you don't know shit, you know, and and that's kind of the interesting thing about talking to someone like you and and all the folks that I, I try to keep up with on a regular basis. Right. Um, now, uh, so, you know, at this point. I've only seen you wrestling at PPW, but I know you're wrestling some other shows too. Obviously, we don't have anything to promote because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, yeah. let alone in a month. <laughs> but like, what's yeah. been what's been like? I mean, obviously, you had to have a lot of fun with that Brett Ison match. What's been some of the kind of fun, more fun matches you've had on this comeback Juicy Jimmy tour here? Man, uh, honestly, uh, some of the matches like. We did uh, GCW. They they run Wombat, uh, and I tagged with Effie against the Rejects, and that was just such a fun match. Like like they they ran that like a old like USWA TV taping. Okay, and what I mean by that that was like. Now, this is all live. This wasn't taped. They would have us go out, like, who were in featured matches later in the night. They would have us go out and work with uh, 
in, in with, with enhancement guys like earlier in the night, like in three minute matches and do an interview and then set up like, and just that match to me was very fun. Uh, like the match with Ison was a lot of fun. I had a four way dance at the last PPW show. And I generally hate multi-man matches. I don't care who's in them. It's just, uh, it was me Calvin Tankman, Ison, and Bandy, and man, I, I'm telling you, I would love to have a singles match with uh, Tankman. That dude is awesome. Uh, but and 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 then there's been matches in like Tennessee. I've had at like UConn Jack's place that nobody ever see that I, I have had a lot of fun with. There's a kid down there named Tyler Thorne who is who is awesome. Uh, uh, you know, I can't put him over enough. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I was, you know, before this whole virus thing hit, I was supposed to have went to work for IWA East Coast to do the uh, Night for Necro. It was supposed to be me and Peter B. Beautiful against Pondo, Man Man Pondo and Shadow WX from Japan. And I was really looking forward to that. But unfortunately, it had to be postponed. Uh, you know, I, I do occasionally like to do the blood and guts. Uh, I don't want to do it every show but like every once in a while you know i'm more than happy to do it you know uh, so yeah can, it, it, that's kind of, yeah can you explain to folks and maybe i'm a little off base on this but i think i think i'm i think i'm on point here can you explain to folks why it's kind of less dangerous in a lot of ways to do a death match than it is to do like a flippy style match is, is that pretty accurate um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I laugh at some of the, the, the guys that are like, well, I'm, I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to do that. But yet they'll jump off a 20 foot ladder, but that's okay. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. You know. It's crazy. Meanwhile, you know, everything you're hitting yourself with for the most part or hitting each other with in a death match can't, can't injure you. It can only hurt you, you know, and yeah. that's kind of the idea yeah. is that the best weapons in a death match, they make a noise, they make you bleed a little bit, but they don't injure you. Right. Meanwhile, yeah. like you said, just doing, you know, a moonsault could, you know, it could kill you. And so, like, it, it's just one of those things that I always think it's funny when people will post a gif of someone like, I don't know, just doing something gross in a death match. And they're like, oh, my God, right. it's like it's so dangerous. And I'm like, yeah, I, you know, I, granted, I don't want to do it. Don't get me wrong. It's just a matter of it's I think the perception for deathmatch right. wrestlers is still a little bit on that real side, which is kind of oh, cool. Yeah. You know, and what, what, well, and, 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 and to here, here, here's a great story for you about death matches. Okay. I was booked at the carnage cup. Uh, I wrestled pinky Sanchez there in 2010, 11. I can't remember which year it is. And John rare was down there and he in the death match thing is quite, uh, uh, infamous. Let's just say, okay. They did this spot to where the dude he was having this match with, like both of these guys were like Alabama independent guys. Like I didn't know him for anywhere else where he got stabbed legitimately with a, 
box cutter in the arm and man it was a ton of blood ton of blood but it the funny the funny thing about it is like he had the box cutter in the back and of course you know me i'm rather inquisitive i said what are you gonna do with that box cutter i said you know and he says oh it's for the match blah, blah blah and he says i stole this from work and i said Oh, you did? And I said, like, like you're going to, like, at least change the blade in that? He's like, no. He says, I'm going to do it as is. And I'm, and, and at this point, I'm kind of kind of freaked out at this point, okay? And they go out there and do this. Like, I thought dude was kidding, right? And, like, they go do this. And, dude, I'll never forget dude coming back to the dressing room. He he has his arm tied up with, like, a, uh, like a wife beater T-shirt, right? And, like, blood just coming everywhere, even through this T-shirt. And dude's got a bottle of either Jack Daniels, Jim Beam, or whatever, and he's sipping on it, right? And, and dude, just like the old West movies, okay, he, he takes a big gulp of that and pours it on his on cut-up <laughs> arm. Yeah, it's one of the things I will never unsee in my life. Like, I, I you know. Awesome. <laughs> well, I, you know, I mean, obviously, there are the, the the things that people are doing nowadays, which are too far, in my opinion. The knife boards, the yeah. the boards that are full of scissors. Yeah. You know, that's. I mean, come on, that's 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 not deathmatch. Yeah. That's just stupid, in my opinion. But you know, Madman Pondo taught me everything I know about death matches and death match wrestling. Like as far as, well, this stuff looks really dangerous, but here's the art of this. And I think a lot of the guys now could benefit from someone like that versus, Hey, let's go out there and just get all cut up. You mean, because, you know, uh, you know, I, I hate to, to, to break it to everybody. Like, don't get me wrong that that well these things still cut you at times and does it still hurt absolutely but is there an art to kind of doing that absolutely there is you mean yeah well i mean and, and that's another thing that you know when i see guys put a uh I don't know that that baseball bat thing that they make out of a uh, water jug and hit each other in the head yeah. with that. Yeah. I, I that's not that's not a gimmicked weapon. That's a fucking real weapon that you're that makes a loud noise because you're actually hurting someone with it. You know, and I don't like that yeah. kind of stuff. I, I want I you know a lot of my friends yeah. wrestle. I don't want them to get hurt. I don't want them to get a concussion from some stupid you know bat gimmick thing. But uh, I. I, 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 I I'm actually glad the headshots have been calmed down to a degree because, uh, man, I, when I was coming up, it was almost a badge of honor to to not put your hands up on a chair shot to the head. Like I took so many unprotected chair shots and like, you know, I, I played football for like you know, first grade through 12th grade. So I had all that on top of it. Like concussions are not as, as much as what they used to be. Although back then it was, Hey, suck it up and go on just to be real with you. That was the mindset. Uh, It didn't matter how you felt, you know? Uh, And I'm, I'm actually glad the headshots are like not a, not as big a factor. Like, 
like I've, I've actually seen when, when guys throw a chair shot to the head now, like when it does happen, like man, people kind of get shit on now for doing that to be real with you. I mean, it's true. You could, you know, arrest that could turn a wrestler heel, you know, in a match. It could, oh, yeah. you, you know, if you do that. And, and I've seen, you know, there's a guy out there named Matt justice, right. And he, and, and yeah. Mance, Mance Warner and even Levi nowadays, they're doing a lot of unprotected uh, headshots, but it's funny because Sometimes they'll do this spot where they do three in a row and the first two, no hands. And then that third one, here comes that hand, you know, because it's like, brother, what are we doing here? You know, but it's, it's, it's scary, man. I don't know what to say about all that, but dude, like I wrestled balls Mahoney at the gathering one year and like, I, I was a little apprehensive of his chair shot because like it's just what i've seen on tv and i heard all the you know like everybody put it over it's this brutal thing blah 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 blah. but he actually took the time to explain to me the art side of what it should be versus what it's not and believe it or not like now i'm not saying every night like in this, that, and the other, there is an absolute art of how to do it properly where it minimizes the injury. So, like, it, as weird as that sounds, Drew, like, like it, it was a thing at one time. I mean... Well, what's it Stone Cold always says that they don't teach you how to hit people with a chair in in, uh, in wrestling school, you know, and maybe they should. No. I mean, that's kind no. of what you're saying is that they should. They, they shouldn't. A lot of t- a lot of the stuff that happens in pro wrestling is on the spot. Hey, kid, we're going out there tonight. I know this is your third match. You're going to give me three uh, headshots with a chair. Oh. And that's that's when it happens. It's not. Hey, we've been planning this for three weeks. Let's practice hitting each other in the head with chairs, you know, and there's a lot of things in wrestling you can't practice because of risk of injury and stuff like that. So it, yeah. it's, it's crazy. Man. I'm, 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 I mean, dude, if, if this tells you anything, uh, I got blood in my very first match. Like just, you know, it, like as weird as that sounds now, like it, I was terrible at it, but it was something at 18 years old I wanted to do and you couldn't convince me otherwise. You know, even in a commission state at the time, and I can tell these stories now, like we, we benefited from, from no, uh, no real internet presence at the time and no, like, like, like if, if it would happen today, the athletic commissioner would know about that before the show was even over with, to be real with you. You I mean, yeah, he's, uh, that guy is, uh, all up in the business of all the wrestling and that's a whole subject for another, uh, another time, I think. But, uh, it's got, I mean, that whole commission thing's a lot of good, a lot of bad with it. You know, I just, I, I, I hate could, it. I could I, talk all day about that. My feelings I, on that. Just but, the, yeah, the, I'm with the thing that, and I'm not, you know, I mean, I'm not trying to talk shit or anything, but the thing that gets me, which I don't understand is it like, you know, some show, there's a charity show that's hundreds of miles away from Frankfurt, but we're driving all the way out there on a Tuesday to piss test a bunch of wrestlers that are working at a charity show. You know, fuck off. You know, what are you doing? I mean, yeah. I don't, you know, I mean, that's, yeah. that's yeah. the kind of shit that pisses me off, but, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100% on that. Well, this has been an awesome conversation. We could go on for hours, I guarantee you. However, um, you know, we can't do that. Uh, but it's one of those things yeah. where, you know, I really want to talk to you more about so many other things. But we, like, our, our conversation um, like amount of subjects we could cover are so wide that I was really having problems trying to figure out what we were going to talk about. Although I knew it would be fine. Right. It's just, uh, it's been a lot of fun, man. And I, you know, I'm really enjoying seeing, you know, all the stuff you're doing and, and the, it's very inspirational. And I, I'm so happy for you because, you know, it's, it's just one of those things that making changes in your life is one of the hardest things that people have to do and seeing it right before your eyes with which actual physical results, you know, and you smile a lot more than you used to. And, you know, it's just, you're a happier guy, obviously. I'm really happy to see that. And, um, you know, but we got to wrap this up, but, uh, before you go, um, do you have any questions for me? Um, no, man, just, uh, I, I enjoy what you guys do with the indie shows. Like you, 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 you go to them, you support them, and then you, you do your podcast on the way back, back to your, your all's houses or whatever. I, I like you, you don't know how many of the boys listen to those and like you know for their matches or, or or what have you you know whether good bad or indifferent your your views on that and like it 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 really means a lot to some of the guys you know to 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 to, to be real with you uh and just ho- hopefully you know once all this virus stuff is is cleared away like hopefully we can get back to, to having some more wrestling man just to be real you know, yeah, it's sad right now, but you know, it's given me time to talk to folks like you. So I'm gonna try to see the silver lining if I can. And uh, you know, it's always nice to hear that the wrestlers listen. Um, you know, I, I always expect our listenership is about 50% wrestlers most of the time because they they <laughs> they no one is giving them that instant feedback, and that's one of the things that we're able to do as fans is to give that feedback almost immediately. You know, it's just a couple hours, and and most of the time the guys that haven't even left the building before I'm putting up the episode, and they can listen to it on their ride home. So you know, a lot of people oh, yeah. agree agree with the stuff that we say a lot of people don't but either way we're fans so you know our opinions matter one way or the other so we appreciate it yeah and and the thing about it is you know you are a paying consumer like whether whether i think you're right wrong or indifferent you have that right because you've paid for a service. It's it's no different than going to Walmart or going to a movie. Like I went to a lot of movies and I thought they were terrible. Okay. Like, but guess what? I paid a ticket. I, I have that right to, to, to say whether I like that or don't like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and the other thing too, that I, I really like to benefit or help, you know, that I hope people benefit from is the fact that, you know, like if, if we go to a show and you're facing, you know, the, the guy that's the, what is he, the, I can't, who, what's Brett Eisen's little, little buddy's name that you wrestled? I can't remember his name now. I'm so sorry. Peyton. Yeah. Peyton Uh, Poison, right? Yeah. So, you know, Uh, who, who else is talking about Peyton Poison? No one. right? Right. So, 
you know, we really like to highlight folks that no one else is talking about. And you don't know how many times someone who's in England, someone who's in another state, someone who's in another country has messaged me and said, hey, man, thanks so much for hipping me to whatever wrestler. I would have never known about him without you guys. And that's that's the reward right there. Like, that's the ultimate thing. It's like, yes, cool. you know, because that's that's the power of our podcast and that's what it's all about is we're, we're here to kind of let folks know about the juicy jimmies and the, you know, and the Peyton poisons and the PPWs and the PWFs of the world. So, you know, and, and we have a wide listenership, so it really works out. And I'm, I'm really glad we finally got to have you on. Let's get yeah. some social media plugs in and, uh, and then we'll sure. wrap this thing up. Uh, you can find me on, uh, Facebook and Twitter uh, at Juicy Jimmy. It's pretty easy. Go like my uh, page on Facebook. I've got a, a like page uh, uh, and I've also got a Twitter. Go follow me on there. Uh, I talk about sports, wrestling, whatever it might be. The only thing I don't do is politics. Don't don't bring that to my pages. I don't care. No offense to anybody out there. It's just not my thing. Uh, but yeah, just uh, engage me in a conversation. Uh, go follow me. I put up cool videos uh, from time to time. Uh, I put up, you know, like I've been talking about Tiger King, and I hope Joe Exotic. Uh, gets out of prison soon because I would love to have him on a show. Uh, I just think he's quite interesting. But yeah, uh, go go follow me on there. Uh, my Twitter account mm, at times can be pretty risque, where my Facebook is a little bit more uh, conservative, a little bit. Uh, so uh, yeah, no, just in uh, in two, I'll 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 leave everybody with this. You know, you you. You know, go out and support the independents because the guys out there on it today, you don't know that five years from now, this guy could be a main eventer on Raw or SmackDown or AEW or what have you. Like, this is really where the stars are born and bred at, uh, you know, and, you know, you, you can meet some great friends along the way, too. You know, just coming to the shows as fans, you know, and just come and have a good time and 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 support the guys and gals out there working because they're working their tails off for sometimes little to no money. And, you know, to, to entertain you for for better or worse. And, you know, I, I really think post virus that 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 independents are going to be back and we're going to be back in full full swing and we we're going to need every drop of support we can to be honest with you you mean absolutely man well you guys know you can follow me at drucifer tweets on twitter you can follow our show at the road home fw you know give us a review if you like that's uh, always pretty cool and uh, means a lot to us and helps people find our show so uh you know for me and my guest juicy jimmy thank you guys so much for listening